Hey guys, and welcome to the Grow Podcast. We're so happy you're here. I'm Ashley, your host through the monthly grain segment of the podcast brought to you by the Landis Grow Solution Center. On today's episode, I have Matt Hackford, who is the feed products and services team lead, to talk about grain as we think about feed consumption, feed demand, and how Landis is shaking up the industry with its feed division and partners. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Tell us about yourself and what you do here for Landis. Yeah, my name is Matt Hackford. I live in uh, Carroll, Iowa here in West Central Iowa. I've spent my career in um, agriculture and feed and livestock. Um, here for Landis, I uh, re- lead overall s- strategy and the team that's responsible for uh, providing grain into the feed industry. On this segment of the podcast, we focus mostly on the grain markets, and I'd love to get your take on what does the feed outlook look like for grain demand? As all of these markets are so volatile Mm -hmm. lately, we see, you know, that not only on the grain side of the business, but these livestock markets as well. Here, kind of near in, you know, there's uh, with that volatility, there's going to be a lot of operations that either benefit from that or depending on your you know, risk management positions um, could have a, a negative consequence as well. I, I try to think of it more in kind of the longer term view um, with livestock and the livestock industry. You know, we know we're in an area that's always competitive. You know, so for the overall um, feed and livestock and food industry, we'll continue to be competitive in the grand, you know, in, the, in, in large scale. I think what's going to be interesting, what I've been talking about lately, is this whole soybean complex and the soybean meal and the new plants that are being built around the Midwest. Um, with some of the leading nutritionists that we talked to, it's interesting to listen to the forecast of how you know that additional bean meal in this market and how that's going to impact not only beans but also the corn market mm-hmm. as well and acres. So I I don't think anyone has the you know the ball to understand you know what that truly is going to look like. From my view, I think more soybean meal in this area equals a lot of opportunity for livestock that's here and potential you know new livestock and poultry operations looking at this part of the world and wanting to take advantage of some of those those markets so like a very very bullish looking out over time as to you know what opportunities there will be here in the midwest um, for for livestock production Well, I think that's awesome, right? Especially as I don't know how in touch you are with the grain markets, but we just had a pretty big report release, um, you know, on the 31st of March that told us that corn acres are going to be backing off and bean acres are going to be ramping up, right? So as a grain originator, that makes me feel pretty good about, you know, that potential problem I see of, holy cow, we're going to have a lot of beans, you know, potentially being grown next year. Yes, absolutely. You know, with our uh, our bean meal plant that we operate, you know, I think... Landis is positioned just as good as anybody to understand not only beans, but the bean meal position. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we market that internationally and through many, many dairy operations, we're still closely tied in on, a, on the feed side with commodity soybean meal as well. And so I think it all is just a, a, it's a, it's a big change you know, for all of us, but again, change comes opportunity as well. So we're looking forward to kind of lead with our new feed strategy you know, that evolution of change. 
Awesome. So kind of jumping into that new strategy, you know, moving forward into change. One of the main reasons I wanted to dive into grain demand for feed on this episode is really because of that announcement that, you know, we as Landis made last week. So I'll just give you guys kind of the, the first part of that announcement that our communications department put up. On March 30th, Landis, Iowa's largest farmer-owned cooperative, and AMVC, the ninth largest pork producer in the United States, today announced collaborative plans to build a new feed mill at the existing Landis Grain Facility located in Hamlin, Iowa. The proposed feed mill will produce up to 400,000 tons of swine feed per year. It will generate demand for roughly 8.5 million bushels of corn and 48,000 tons of soybean meal annually. Corn demand will exceed capacity of the existing Landis grain storage in Hamlin, allowing Landis the opportunity to leverage its nearby grain assets. So Matt, tell us more about this project. Um, and really, if you could dive into, right, I keep hearing this, Landis is shaking up the feed industry um, with our collaboration. So talk more to that. You bet. We're very excited about not only this opportunity, but a lot of the optimization network that we're growing and the partnerships we're growing and to start with it's 100 percent relationships mm -hmm. and people and partnerships you know we've been very fortunate to work with people such as AMBC. you mentioned that, you know great organization great people they're like-minded you know there's a level of trust in order to get to a point of announcing deals like this oh, yeah. so you know as those of us that have spent our careers in agriculture there's a lot of great people in this industry. When you find those types of people that you both have something to offer each other, it comes to the table in deals like this. And so for for this opportunity and kind of shaking up the feed industry, so I, you know, a little bit more about my career and my background. So I started in the feed industry. I um, then led uh, f uh, f one of the largest uh, pork livestock uh, systems here um, in forms of mergers and acquisitions and business development. And then um, from there went to uh, the CPG world and spent a lot of time you know, with, uh, with foodies and food brands <laughs> and traveling all over and uh, talking to a lot of the retailers, talking to head buyers at every large grocery chain in the country. And continued to see that our industry is so segmented versus other industries. And mm -hmm. the best example that I've used time and time again for this is my wife owns and operates a clothing store in our small community of Carroll. So if she has a customer that walks in the door and is looking for a specific type of shirt or a specific type of item, she has a a known customer that has a known customer demand. She can make a business decision on the spot whether to fulfill the ask and if that's wise for her and her business or not. Yeah. In agriculture, we don't have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's because of how segmented the overall supply chain is. And so part of this example is, you know, why are we shaking up the industry? Because this current industry here locally, primarily in Iowa and some of the surrounding states, has a feed design and a feed industry that was built for a dis different customer. You know, this feed design and kind of this model that we know of today was built when there was many, many more independent producers. And so your local grain cooperative played a key role in having a nutritionist or having a buying group or having an ingredient 
you know, function that was an expertise that more independents could leverage and, and you know, see as, as valuable. Today, that, doesn't, that need really doesn't exist. You know, we have, um, you know, many more farms, many more operations that, you know, rely on folks like AMVC and other, you know, big um, livestock production companies that have that expertise in-house. And so us shaking up or changing the feed industry is really, not, it's, it's very simple. It's giving the customer what they need. And so in this model, you know, Landis is a grain company and you've heard that time and time and time again. Our job and what we do in the feed industry is provide corn and soybeans and soybean meal to the end users, to these customers. It's one of those things that's almost, you know, so simple. And I hope that helps with kind of understanding it a little bit more. The value to us is bringing a partner, an offtake partner, a customer that we know is going to be there. It's guaranteed. You know, they need this feed to feed into their livestock facilities. They need us as well. You know, we have the grain, we've got the um, risk management tools, we've got networks with our, our overall farmer owners that it's, it's just a great way for both of us to bring what we're good at to the table without trying to pretend that we're better than somebody that's in a livestock system when it comes to nutrition and diet formulation and biosecurity management and all the things that those systems in the last 20, 30 years have developed and grown into that is different than the, the design of the past. So it's really just bringing the industry current to meet the current customer base. Well, I really appreciate that example, and, and especially in terms of your wife's example, because I feel like, and tell me if this isn't correct, but it really just seems like we're giving each other a little bit more stability, right? On like, you know we have a product, and we know we're going to be able to give you a product. Um, so I feel like that's a great example. I really appreciate that to, to just, you know, maybe just make that even more simple than what it is. Yes. And that's stability. That's a, that's a great way to explain this too, because with that stability, you know, the reason why there's stability there is because there's trust and we're staying within our lanes. Mm -hmm. So AMVC with their ability to formulate their own diets and to, you know, as an example, if there's a new feed ingredient that comes to market, DDG's you know, 2.0, they have it within their control to invest in that new ingredient, to add storage, to you know, add the new biosecurity, latest state-of-the-art technology, to you know, invest in the new pelleter, whatever the new technology is, there's no longer a discussion of if we put the money into it, will we ever get that money back out? Which mm -hmm. is what has always taken place. It's now, if it makes sense for them to do it, they're going to be the benefactor of the outcome of it. And so keep that decision making within that same group. And that's where the opportunity comes because with that stability comes market opportunities that you want. So if they have a large retailer that wants a certain type of corn, or a certain type of ingredient, they can now run the return numbers on whether that makes sense for them and implement the technology without being kind of beholden to somebody else and them seeing eye to eye with that same same group. So 
I really do think it's not only you know good for Landis, it's good for feed industry and technology in general to mm-hmm. to evolve. So. Well, I would think too, like um, not only is it good probably from a cost-effective standpoint, right? Because you're working together, but I've got to think like, you know, now Landis maybe doesn't have so much pressure to worry about, hey, we've got to train 20 nutritionists, you know, as you maybe mentioned, the old model. Um, I would got to think that that's got to take a little people pressure off of us as well. Yeah. So not only, again, the industry and broader agriculture, you know, there's there's such good people out here. Mm-hmm. We don't collaborate enough. And that's our optimization model and our, you know, that we can all learn from each other in our areas of expertise. So absolutely, if there's one or two really sound nutritionists that want to take the lead on that project, more people should be able to leverage that, that resource. So you touched on this, I think, probably a little bit as we've been talking here, but I mean, thinking about, you know, our recent collaborations in feed, what are the benefits, you know, really that these projects provide to, you know, one, our farmer members, um, but then two, others in the ag community? You yeah, so our farmer members, again, I'll go back to, we are a grain company, first and foremost. So whenever we look at capital investment, we want to invest capital in things that grow our grain business. And so for our farmer owners and for Landis to put money into a feed mill instead of putting money into another grain asset or grain facility, you know, first and foremost, it's it's best for us to continue to grow our investments into grain. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, you know, we what we bring to the table in Hamlin is we have an asset that's there that is, you know, part of the, the value we provide, plus a commitment to maybe add some additional grain storage there, whatever it needs to ensure AMBC that they get consistent volume, quality, and grain from our far- farm network. So, um, the model you talked about stability earlier the model of our farmer owners putting their money into a feed mill that isn't the right stable design for the future is not a wise investment you know we now have a committed partner that is looking at these investments differently and can take the feed and take the offtake you know of of the mill itself and is a willing partner to invest in that feed mill. And so um, we are using our farmer owners money very wisely when it comes to why invest money into something that has a, you know, a return as a feed cooperative that's different than the return as a livestock owner. Yeah. You know, it's two different trains of thought there. So we're, we're gonna continue to you know, invest uh, our money where it helps you know, not only our farmer owners, but you mentioned the ag community too. You look at the, you know, Ottoman County area and just Hamlin to get, I mean, this, this, you know, provides jobs to the community, will provide, um, you know, livestock feeding operation opportunity for, you know, uh, uh, farms that want to diversify a bit and build, you know, uh, production facilities for, um, you know, for AMVC and others. So I think, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about AMBC now with that new announcement, but even thinking about other communities that we've announced these oh, yeah. these projects in with Waverly and Emmitsburg and Buckeye and State Center and Carroll, yeah. you know, we're providing a solution into some of these communities where the old design might not be relevant in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's stabilizing, I'll just keep using that word, <laughs> but it's 
stabilizing some of those markets and some of those businesses by giving giving skill sets that we have at Landis to bolt on to those businesses that immediately make those businesses more you know more relevant for the future. Just like pulling in those businesses skill sets into Landis makes our feed department better every time we announce one of these new new relationships. So again, it's back in that spirit of you know, partnership and collaboration and trust that uh, really makes these things exciting because then we can look at, you know, and, and we're not tied to any boundaries. We have a, you know, a, a domestic grain license that allows us to operate in, you know, any state in the country. And so um, anyone that's hearing this, or let, you know, we are open for business and we're open to, you know, look at these opportunities and to check out new markets. And again, this is a, a, what the, you don't in business you don't find a lot of these opportunities where it's a win-win deal or a win-win-win deal most of the time it's good it's better for somebody else than what it is for yourself these partnerships really when we sit down six months later a year later everybody is is thrilled that they're still sitting at the table yeah. and talking about business and growth and except so we're open for business open to discuss how you know, we can leverage other skill sets and they can leverage ours. Well, that's really great to know, right? And I think it speaks to, you know, not only this this feed project that you guys are working on, but right, optimization as a whole. Um, something that, you know, Matt Carsons is very, very proud of and, and is working on for sure in Landis. I would say too, like from a grain originator standpoint, um, every day I talk to farmers about different grain locations where they can deliver, whether that be right our locations or a competitor like this has got to just get your grain originator in that that area just fired up i would think right i mean what an amazing opportunity to one be able to potentially increase your space but also have a new demand really right like a new customer that we're providing feed into so kind of a call out to all those farmers if you're listening around this area we're going to be needing your grain probably more now than ever um, because of this expansion. And I really hope that that's exciting to you as a listener. You know, we are trying to continue to keep corn at, at you know, maybe levels not that we're at today, but, you know, trying to keep that, that demand level high with the supply that we produce in Iowa. Yes, absolutely. And, and it just makes me think about the community too, you know, mm-hmm. as to, you know, the more value that we all can, you know, we want to buy every bushel, you know, that's just who we want to, pro- but we have a responsibility to provide assets and service and delivery to make that so Landis is the best location to mm-hmm. deliver to. So investments like this allow us to then reinvest and maybe unload time or do, you know, so we, we are thrilled and excited to make announcements like this, to partner with the resources to pull this all together, to, you know, to make a community better and then go to the next community and the next community. But it's just from simply thinking a bit differently. Yeah. And I've, I've used in some, you know, some discussions around the country, you know, and I don't want to get too far off the beat path here, but the, uh, you know, the Burger King example of when they changed years ago from you know, a push to a, uh, a pull supply chain model. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you w- used to go into Burger King and get a burger, you know, they would wrap it and it'd be in the um, trays behind the counter and you'd get your cheeseburger mm-hmm. and you'd have whatever they put on it on that burger. 
and they switched to that whole marketing campaign of hold the pickles, hold the let, you know, and, <laughs> and really it was a, a uh, pull supply chain model. What does my customer want? <laughs> let me build that to order and then provide something that's better of value. That agriculture is going through that as we speak. You know, retailers, consumers are asking for certain things. This blocked and segmented supply chain has not allowed a lot of that to take place, but it's coming. And systems that recognize that are, are building these partnerships and networks to have asset bases and supply chain models to listen to consumer and retailer demand and be able to deliver on it. That's what we're setting up for the future. So moving back into our conversation and, and kind of shifting gears, I want to go and, and talk into the topic that you know is probably pretty negative in the in the industry today. Um, we've been hearing a lot about the avian influenza, you know, lately in the news and, and all over the media. Quite frankly, how does avian influenza impact the feed industry? Yeah, so all of these diseases in general, avian influenza being the current one, but you know, you go you know, PERS, PED. I mean, it's it's always tough and it's substantially it's devastating to any of these systems or any of these locations or any of the groups that are impacted by these diseases and i think i think the uh you know for us and for all in the industry we're just in it together i mean there's there's a lot of calls that we and discussions that we are pulled into of reaching out to help Mm -hmm. you know and there's certain things that we've done recently with groups that you know, do have an outbreak of a situation like this because it's devastating. And it's not only the financial impact of it, but the emotional side of it oh, too. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, I'm thinking about back, you know, years ago when this was a, a major impact and I was, you know, dealing with uh, groups in the uh, Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. And one, one of the uh, gentlemen I worked with was part of the uh, Army National Guard in New Jersey and had to go in and you know help euthanize some of these mm-hmm. birds and just the mental strain for all involved and the financial strain and the whole industry it's something we're all in together and so if there's ways that landis can help whether it's through you know working through different corn commitments that now you can't take that corn or you can't take that soybean meal and you need an offtake partner we do a lot of that that people don't even know about where we're reaching out and trying to help because I, I think that's when any of these you know devastating events like this it's what can we do to help you know and you kind of set and again with so many good people in agriculture you kind of set your you know your agenda aside yeah and you, you just help yeah and, even me I mean I had no idea that we do anything like that which I can imagine, right, even just last summer, we had a lot of ethanol plants that weren't accepting corn. And, right, you've got a really hot farmer who's really upset at that decision. So if somebody could help with that, that's obviously a way different situation than, you know, what we're talking about here in the in the animal nutrition industry. But but that's really awesome that, you know, we explore things like that. Yeah, because it can, you know, it's, it's locally devastating. I mean, if the, mm-hmm. the wrong operations, you know, it can take out a whole market for oh, yeah. a local community. And so if there's... Anything we can do to help. And then it also just makes me think about this new feed design and this, you know, optimization network and platform. Because, again, in live production for these systems that have, you know, vets and peop- and career folks that have spent their time on biosecurity and management of disease and 
you know, again, that's why I'm thrilled to work with the partners that we have with, you know, AMVC and Standard Nutrition and others as to, from a feed standpoint, how should biosecurity be set up at a feed mill? Mm-hmm. It's not best for a farmer cooperative to be designing best-in-class biosecurity management practices. It's best to pull in those trained experts and say, for the feed industry, how do we leverage all the things that you do at your layer operations or your sow farms? You know, with a, I've worked on many truck wash builds and fumigation chambers and all the things that are really you know strict biosecurity projects. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's others and being a bit humble with knowing that there's somebody else that you can pull in to help and that that can can help the situation. So, again, we want to play that part in the grain world. If there's somebody that needs our help, you know that's where we're networked with. We can help um, a- any of these events that take place. So, gotcha. And I mean, last question that I've got for you is the tough one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's we've seen corn prices and soybean prices really skyrocket um, here in the last month. I want to know, you know, what's your opinion as these prices are continuing to rise? What are our feed partners, you know, really considering any other avenues as we think about feed rations or have feed rations changed with high corn prices? Feed rations continually change and they are always balanced. Um, You know, when you get deep in the weeds, you know, we we talk a lot about corn and talk about beans and talk about wheat and talk about soybean meal. But really all of those and all of those ingredients are just, you know, a name for a nutritional element you know Mm -hmm. so in all of these systems what pencils into a diet is the protein and the energy and the you know amino acids and so it's it's good for the industry to continue to balance diets based off of nutritional need of the life and that will paint the path for what's the next ingredient or what just like how ddgs were entered into the Mm -hmm. marketplace you know, they play a part in diets today because financially they make sense from a, you know, from the uh, the, the nutrition that they provide. To the, oh, so yeah. it's looking forward a bit. I think that, you know, those uh, those ingredients will and should continue to change. And, and a, a healthy feed industry is one that has the agility to pull those products in. And that again goes to this feed model where it's the end livestock users that get the benefit or the consequences of not keeping up with that pace of change. And so it's great to sit in those discussions with a nutritionist, with a livestock company saying, okay, now you can use whatever you want, you know, what makes sense for you and your diets? And then how do we help provide those products for you? It just allows openness and allows kind of the free market to work versus being, you know, tied to a certain number of bins or a certain type of feed technology. So this is a practice of livestock production. We'll continue to look at what products pencil into the diets and then you know, make those work within the, within the feed industry. So. Well, and I think too, you know, one thing that I've seen just from the feed industry, you know, I, I got a degree in animal science and then turned grain originator. Um, 
we still we raise cattle on our farm and i think the one thing that the farmer is really good at and, and i assume our partners are really good at right is flexibility and figuring out you know hey what do we need for a ration and then what products are available and what cash flows and to both you know as we continue to evolve in that supply chain model different different things will be coming into you know, thought than what we haven't had to deal with. So mm-hmm. most of the time when we think about diets and formulations and products, we're thinking about price point. Yeah. You know, what's the cost? We don't talk so much about how does this ingredient change the belly fat for the bacon of the pig. We'll be evolving as an industry through that. It is a consideration, but it's held with certain entities that really don't have much of a play into the feed industry or mm-hmm. into row crop farming. You know, I, you know, with, within, within our lifetimes, we'll see certain corn being planted, certain seed being planted <laughs> oh, yeah. that we start talking about, you know, food grade corn and ethanol grade corn and with all the standards and, and, and practices associated with it. So yeah, we'll con- it'll just continue to evolve, but it's, it's again, it's, it's because the customer and the consumer is yeah. asking for that, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a loin, a pork loin taste attribute yeah. that they're missing, you know, some fat content in as to how does our feeding practices, you know, make that a little bit more, you know, fatty type of product. There's, we have to be open to listening to the customer and we have to have a design where we're working collaboratively and not kind of hold, we can't do something because someone else owns something. Yeah. Or we can't do that because I don't have control of that. We will evolve. You know, there's an evolution process here too. So. I think that's honestly what's really cool about agriculture personally is it is always evolving. Just wanted to double check, is there anything that you wanted to, to add um, or anything that you'd like to, to kind of expand on before we wrap up? No, I just want to say thank you for having me and appreciate you doing this too because I think it is really important that we leverage you know, all the uh, social impact that we can have through all of our channels of getting the voice of agriculture out there a little bit more and supporting our you know, our farmer owners and just uh, just be, being a voice. Um, really enjoyed our conversation um, about feed in terms of grain demand. So thanks again, Matt. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much again for joining me today. I definitely gained a lot of insight on how Landis is quote unquote shaking up the feed industry model and more so even just working with partners, right? To, to better leverage um, the customer experience. Hello, I'm Molly Toot and I lead the grow business here at Landis. The Grow Solutions Center is a virtual hub of experts in agronomy, data, grain, and more to provide solutions to farmers' questions and respond quickly and with agility. In support of the Landis field staff, the Grow Solutions Center offers another connection point within Landis. Whether your question is about grain, marketing, agronomy, carbon programs, your Landis account, or any other topic, the Grow Solutions Center team is available to work with you. The hours for the Grow Solutions Center are 7.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Take a minute and write this number down, 515-800-GROW. Again, that is 515-800-4769. Or you can email us at growsc at landis.ag. 
Also, be sure to ask about the Landis Grow Rewards Program and how you and a guest can qualify for an all-expense-paid trip to Margaritaville in sunny Hollywood, Florida, December 12th through 15th. Not only is this a great destination, we'll make sure you get value from a robust educational program that leaves plenty of time for networking and fun in the sun. Don't wait. Contact the Grow Solutions Center today to find out how far you are from qualifying for the trip. Again, the number is simple, 515-800-GROW.